Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you can be best friends who learn and grow together, share dreams together, have adventures together, and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with free resources that can help you. For example, there are free quizzes you can take, including one that will tell you what might be standing in your way of finding love and another that will tell you what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her. There are free video tutorials you can watch that explain why women do the things they do and how you can navigate the frustrating world of lesbian dating with confidence, even if you're feeling lonely and desperate. There are free guides you can download to learn the secrets of how to avoid rejection, heal from heartbreak, and find epic lesbian love. And there's a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is available now on womenwantingwomen.com. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, Follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, if you love this podcast and want to help me reach more people, then spread the word by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, telling what you love about women wanting women and why you keep tuning in. And while you're there, subscribe and share it with a friend and let them know that hot lesbians are everywhere. But before we go any further, I have a question. How well do you trust yourself to be able to spot red flags early on in dating? What if I told you there was a simple tool you could use to check yourself after dates to make sure you notice the warning signs that you might otherwise miss or ignore? Well, in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I talked to Lauren Smith a queer dating coach who created a system for analyzing how you think and feel after each new date so you can make the best possible decisions about who you let into your life and heart. Just a heads up, during this episode, there will be mentions of sexual violence. You can learn more about Lauren and the system she created at laurensmithstudio.com, but before you do, keep listening for all the great advice she shares with us here. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jordana. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to learn about some of the stuff you have to share. Um, Why don't we start by you just telling some of your background, what it is that you do, and how it is that you support the women in our community. Sure. Well, like a lot of you guys out there listening, I had my heart broken too many times. And it hurts each time you get your heart broken. During the beginning of the COVID pandemic, when we were all forced to quarantine in our homes, I had gotten dumped. And it felt like it was the worst time yet. 
I was there in my solitude, really having to face the truth that there was something that I was doing to be the common denominator in all these failed relationships. But I was able to be in that space with more compassion than I ever had been before. And I think coming at it from that place of self-love was what allowed me to really take a good, hard look at the choices that I was making. And I realized that deep down, I was I didn't want to date again. Like I, I could finally see that it was me, that I was doing something that was contributing to the problem, but I didn't know what it was. So I was just scared to get back out there because I, I, how would I know if I was going to just do it all over again? So what I ended up doing was I used all of my knowledge from all the times I've been having conversations with past therapists, books that I've read. Um, luckily, I had been getting into mindfulness at the time. I put all those skills together and I was a total nerd and made myself a spreadsheet with questions to ask myself after a date because I thought this is going to be the only way that I'm going to be able to get back out there. So I really have to check and say, okay, Lauren, what is it that you, that you did do or making sure that I look for red flags, like really things that to me now looking back on it felt really basic. But when I was first starting back up again, I didn't even, I had no awareness that I wasn't being conscious of certain ways that I was bringing myself on a date. It ended up working so well. I felt so much more calm when I was going back out to date because I felt like, okay, there might be things that I do wrong. Fine. In fact, it's probably guaranteed that I'm going to do something wrong, but at least I'm making time to sit and reflect and check myself. And knowing that I would spot it sooner than later really helped me to let my guard down a little bit. You know, I was still really scared. It's really hard to be vulnerable. But that was what allowed me to get back out there. And it worked so well that I ended up talking to a therapist, just like randomly, someone from Arizona. I shared this idea with them. And she was like, this is such a great idea. This is going to work for all people, not just you. So we ended up making it into a book. And that's how I spent the rest of my COVID quarantine was getting that product out and just so excited to share what worked for me with other people. That's such a good use of your time. It's such a good use of the pain that comes from heartbreak. And I think that heartbreak can be really confusing because sometimes relationships end because two people simply just don't work with each other. But usually there's something deeper within there that doesn't mean that it's our fault, quote unquote, but there are things we could have done better. And there is a certain amount of awareness we need to bring to that. You know, when, when are the times that we're having our negative patterns come up? And then also, what are the negative patterns that are coming from them that we need to be aware of so that we're not starting to fall in love with someone where there are red flags and things that we could be spotting? Yeah. And so I love this idea, too, of a spreadsheet where you kind of force yourself to be conscious of all choices, right? Like if you were going to be starting a really big project at work, you would need to kind of write down all the different, if you were a product, project manager at work, that would be something you need. And this is a, a different sort of project that you're trying to manage. So do you want to you know, dive right in and talk about the kinds of things that were on that spreadsheet and how you help people with that? Sure. 
So my original spreadsheet didn't exist digitally. I just created it digitally and then I printed it out. So I had a bunch of different um, printouts and I used them and tweaked them along the way. And eventually it turned into a book and a free mobile app. The book questions are very much the exact product that I ended up, the one that was working for me. And these questions that are in this journal, it's like a two page spread. You take time after a date, it should take only like five, 10 minutes to fill out, but they're all questions directed for how I felt or how you would feel after the date. A lot of times I would go out and by the way, I'm an anxious person. So I'm always worried about like how other people are like whether or not they're judging me or how I'm being received. I always want to keep everybody happy. And that wasn't serving me when it was coming to date. I I had to give myself permission to put my needs first and to be like a little bit more selfish. And I think that's what this journal does is it helps to pull you back to yourself and say, Hey, stop worrying about what they thought about me. How did I feel about them? Did I enjoy their company? Did my emotions make me feel like this person's safe or was I getting really scared for some reason? It's that emotion part was really important to me too, because as an anxious person, the only feeling that I would have in my body is one of just being like so overwhelmed and really stressed because dating is like scientifically stressful. And um, it would make it really difficult for me to see the valuable bits of data that my emotions were bringing to, to me. All of the things that you can gather in dating is, is data to help you make a good decision. Absolutely. When you're talking about this anxious feeling, it's sort of clouding your, you're not looking at anything other than the question of, are they judging me? And if you're only wondering what, whether they're judging you, you're not asking yourself, is this person good for me? Does this person make me feel insecure? Is this person saying rude things? Is this person being cruel to the waiter? Is this person, you know, all the different ways, like you said, it's, it's blocking you from taking in that data. That makes a lot of, of sense to ask yourself, am I enjoying their company? Does this person yeah. make me feel safe? What are the emotions that are coming up inside of me when I'm on the date? And, you know, and how do I feel in my body uh, as that's happening? So that's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, what else? What more can you share? Yeah. Another question that's pretty close to the beginning is, what did I love about myself on this date? Oh, yeah. How do they make you feel about yourself? Yeah. And, and it helps you to start this entire process from a place of self-compassion. And it's not meant to be like a superficial love, like, oh, yeah, I love the dress that I wore. Sure, great. I'm glad that you love the dress. But what I probably would love more about you is the fact that you felt courageous enough to put that dress on and the fact that you loved how you felt in the dress. You know, it's learning to step back into a place of friendship with yourself instead of being an inner critic. And I think it's so easy to want to nitpick ourselves after a date thinking, I mean, I do this at least like, why did I say that? Or God, I talked forever about my job. And you just leave the date feeling really hard on yourself. And that's, that's not going to put you in a place of empowerment to decide whether or not you want to welcome someone into your life full term. So if you can learn to be your friend a little bit, it's like, this journal it, it tackles two things. 
One is it helps us to gather all the data we can to make a good, wise dating decision. But the second thing is that it's allowing us to build really good habits of checking in on ourselves, building self-trust, learning to make decisions that we that we can start to do naturally without the journal. Yeah, when you talk about habits, I think that's really the key because when you talk about whether you have a friendship with yourself or whether you have your inner critic be out more, that's really just a question of our mental habits because everything we do is habitual. And every time I start talking, I have the exact same accent. Every time I go walk across the room, my gait is identical. And the truth is that all day, every day, the thoughts that go through my head are mostly the same, you know, those subconscious thoughts. And I also really resonate with what you're talking about, that feeling of you leave an interaction and um, you're saying, oh, why did I say that? You know, did I talk too much? I talk forever. What was I thinking? I always, this is a funny, this is just random. I always wondered if that's a problem for people who aren't shy. Because I felt, I always feel like I become shy in reverse. I'm not shy to talk, but then after I've talked, I torture myself for what I've said. Whereas I think shy people do it before and then they don't talk. And then they say, ah, oh, why didn't I say anything? You know, so um, yeah. So these are all amazing things you're sharing. Do you have any, uh, what else is there? Well, um, you're also spending time to consider if you had any insecurities that come up and then you just take a little bit of time to decide whether that insecurity, like you challenge the thought behind that insecurity to try to bust through any beliefs that might be stopping you from choosing the person that you deserve. Like for example, maybe I would meet someone and say, oh, I'm not good enough for that person. I don't make enough money well, okay, why? And is that true? Does that person really care about money? Maybe you make plenty of money for this person that's coming out of a, an insecurity around money or a belief that says you're not good enough. So if you don't take the time to really dig into that belief regularly, that belief is just going to be there always behind the surface stopping you from claiming what you you totally do deserve you deserve amazing things in this life but sometimes there's thoughts in our head from childhood or from some random person that maybe just made you think something about yourself that doesn't actually have any truth behind it yeah and let's take that one step further and from your perspective let's say there are insecurities that are coming up we're dating someone we think somehow we're not good enough for them in in some way you know, how does that then play out on the date? Well, if it was me, I probably wouldn't notice that that was happening until after the date. But that could just be like how you are saying how some people think about things before I tend to think about things after as well. And I love that reflection place. If I didn't take time to think about it, that insecurity would just keep coming up. I probably wouldn't call them back. If they asked me out again, I probably would think, oh, I can't. I'm just going to I'm just going to get dumped. They're going to abandon me when they find out I don't have money. And that insecurity would really just deteriorate any potential between me and that other person. That belief would stop me from really just figuring things out, just going out, being curious, seeing what happens, it would stop me from doing that because I would just be too afraid that that belief is true. So when I can sit with it and really just accept that that belief is there, I think that's what the power of the journal is. It's just bringing awareness to thoughts or insecurities that are coming up so that you can start to say, hey, I'm noticing this feeling again coming up. Why do I keep feeling like I don't have enough money for people? 
why am I attaching my self-worth to the amount of money I make? I am lovable regardless of how much money I make or how much money the other person makes. And other people who have a lot of money, what they might not have is someone lovable to come home to to make them happy every night. Exactly. Yeah. I like when you use the word curiosity because when we're becoming curious about the other person, the, the attention again, the focus again shifts away from being mean to ourselves and instead being open to what the other person is saying, to how the other person is showing up for us mm -hmm. on the date. Yeah, I love the idea of bringing a spirit of curiosity and, and play to a date. Like to me, I think that dating is just playtime for adults. You know, when you like bring kids together to the playground and they like have a little play date. I feel like dating is play dates for, for us because you get for a brief moment to spend an evening or whatever, however time of day you're out on the date. You get that time with this unique human that has experienced the world completely different from you. And I think humans are just fascinating. So you can go out on that date. They don't have to be the love of your life or the person that you will marry. They can just be someone that's interesting, that adds joy to your life for however much time. It's easier to find that place of curiosity and play when you take the pressure off of it by saying, I don't have to find my soulmate. It doesn't mean anything about me if we don't click. I'm just excited to meet a new person and have fun. And if we end up being lovers, amazing. Yeah, I think when people go into a date only wanting one thing, which is the outcome of soulmate, then 99.9999999% of the time it's a failure because you only meet <laughs> your soulmate once. And you're probably in this human lifetime going to go on way more dates than that. And so I don't like a feeling of failure. I'd rather always feel like everything's a success. And even if I'm not on a date with my soulmate, that date can still be a success if you enjoy each other's company, if you have an interesting conversation, if you maybe even can, if, if, if you're not feeling romantic connection with that person, you could set them up with one of your friends and maybe they'll be soulmates for each other. Yeah. It's just, there's so many things that we humans can offer each other and that experience, we could walk away from that experience feeling as though it enhanced our lives and that it was a major success instead of having only one outcome in mind and then we leave feeling like it was a failure. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge advocate for more open-mindedness when it comes to dating. Not saying giving people a chance you're not actually attracted to. I don't think that's what you're saying and that's not really what I'm saying. But the idea that a date doesn't have to be just about that. And plus dating is a skill. Every time you go out on a date, you get better about learning how to feel safe enough to be authentic, learning how to communicate, set boundaries if you need, communicate with them if you don't want to see them again. These are all uncomfortable parts of dating that no one really has an easy time doing. But the more you practice them, the more you're able to let someone down in a kind way, or you're able to say, you know what, it's late, I'm, I really want to get home. Like that was really hard for me to speak up like that. I would be afraid, oh, great, if I, if I end this date now, they're not going to want to call me back. Well, it's about, it's about me. Like, do I want to stay, do I want to be with someone that wants to stay out late all the time? Or do I want to really make it clear from the start that I, I need to go home on a work night, things like that. Like just practicing how to show up on a date without abandoning yourself. And you can do that with or without someone that is ultimately going to be your next lover. Yeah, absolutely. 
when you talk about letting people down kindly, it's so important because you're actually not being kind if you're unclear with someone about the fact that you have no romantic interest in them. Mm-hmm. If there's someone that is romantically interested in you and you're not romantically interested in them and you're not letting them know, you are not being kind. You're actually uh, hijacking their heart, stringing them along, and setting them up for far more pain down the road. Whereas if you just let someone know up front, hey, just interested in friendship, is that cool with you? And then they, that's either cool or it's not. It's, 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 a, it's a tiny little, maybe, it hurt, maybe it's a, a little sting of a rejection for a second because they were, but, but in the long run, you, you, you free them mm-hmm. from so much more pain. So when you think you're being kind by not rejecting someone, it's actually the opposite. Yeah, I think too that I was being unconsciously selfish when it came to that because I might say on the surface, oh, I, I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I'm not going to tell them that I don't like them. And I would think in my mind, I would convince myself that it was being kind to them because I didn't want to have them feel any feelings that are uncomfortable. But what, what I was really doing is I was avoiding feeling uncomfortable because I don't like confrontation and I didn't want to feel like the bad person. So when I owned that, I was like, yes, combined with everything that you just said, that it really is not kind if you string someone along, I realized that the kindest thing for me to do for that person was to sit with how uncomfortable it feels to have that confrontation. And that the confrontation, the more you do it, it's actually not scary. It doesn't feel uncomfortable. I mean, it might feel a little awkward, but you can do it in a way that feels kind and that can still be compassionate to the other person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're using words like uncomfortable and confrontation, right? We're using these words. So it sounds as if what we're talking about is something highly, highly, highly unpleasant. But the truth is that when we meet somebody new and we show up with authenticity and good boundaries and good communication and we're kind about what we actually do or do don't want, even if, let's just say, you know, we meet somebody new and we think they're hot and she just isn't that into us. I mean, I think most of us are completely capable of making a friend that we think is hot that isn't into us and we don't have to, and we could just go date someone else. It's not a big deal. Or even if it's us, they think we're hot and we're just, they could still be our friend. So even if we're using words like uncomfortable and confrontation and, and, and all those things, it's not really an uncomfortable confrontation. Or it's not really a conflict at all. It's just about you know, hey, no, we're not going to go there. Is that cool? Let's just go, let's go be friends in this different way. And it's still completely possible to have an awesome interaction. What's not possible though, is if you're not authentic and you don't have good boundaries and you don't communicate and you're not, and you're not letting people down kindly in that way, then there's, then you're, then it's going to be really uncomfortable down the long, the the long term. So yeah, for sure. I think you're making amazing points. What else can you share? Well, I would say the last question is the most important question, which is, Do you want to see them again and why? A lot of times when I would go out on a date, I would probably just say yes. You know, I'd be like, oh, well, they were, they were nice. I'll, I'll go out again, which is fine. I think it's really important to not try to make a life and death decision in one date. I think when you want to have curiosity about someone that she should always be open to going out a couple times to really get a better picture of who they are. But I think that I was making decisions blindly and I wasn't stopping to think, well, what is it about this person that I like? 
I wasn't taking time to see if there was any, like what I call yellow flags, like warning signs. Like I might, I might not know everything about them yet, but maybe there's just this feeling in the depth of my gut that says I need to get some more information about this one topic. Um, and ultimately, it's also at the stage uh, where you can examine evidence, which I really love. I think you might get it just now that I'm a logical person and I like to write things down, gather data, examine all the things at play so that I can really feel confident that I'm making a well thought out decision. So what I do at this stage is I look at the evidence, meaning um, how their behaviors might be matching up with their action or like with things that they said about themselves on the profile. I might be looking at evidence with how I feel based on whether or not, like for example, let's say you go out on a date with someone and for all intents and purposes, they're a really nice person. She's really nice to the waiter. She offers to walk you home. But there's just like a part of you that feels a little bit on edge. And you're like, ah, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't really know if I feel like even showing this person where I live yet. And you get to the front door and this person is kind of pushy. And you're like, okay, okay thank you. I had a really great time. Good night. And they, they kind of like want to force themselves through the door. Luckily, though, they don't. And you manage to get in and you shut the door behind you. And you lean your back up against the door and you just let out this big exhale of like, oh, thank God, I'm finally safe in my house. You would think that's a big red flag, right? You'd be like, you should probably not go out with that girl again. That was that was a little bit against your your boundaries there. But what I would do, sadly, the old Lauren in the situation, two days would go by and I would only remember all the good things that that girl said. I would remember the time that I felt seen, that I felt connected, and that they may or may not have like made me feel like a, a sexy or interesting person. I would have latched on to all these things that like my these these feelings of unworthiness wanted instead of saying, "Hey, Lauren, remember that time when you felt really ridiculously unsafe at the end of the date and you felt like this person didn't respect your boundaries? That's more important than some momentary validation that this person gave you. If I don't take time to really write those things down and to listen to my body and to evaluate all the evidence that happened instead of just cherry picking the nice ones, I will just get lost in a fantasy and end up in another toxic relationship where I don't ever feel safe. <laughs> Sorry if that was a little bit scary or heavy, but that kind of stuff like really did happen to me. And um, I guess I wanted to give an insight into how important it is. Ha it has been for me to really just take time to listen to my body because it's always trying to keep me safe. Yeah, absolutely. When we're in our heads too much, we're missing half the information or more than half the information because the truth is we don't know very much, but our bodies are far more ancient than our brains. Like our neocortex where it does all the thinking is far more young, uh, evolutionarily speaking, than those older parts of ourselves. The insightfulness, the instincts that we have when we feel unsafe around another person, those are mechanisms in our body that we share with creatures that that we evolved away from a bajillion years ago so 
the ancient wisdom is often deeper in the body. And uh, but when we're growing up, we're taught to think. We're taught about our mind in school and the education system. It's all about the brain and thought and facts and ideas. And so, it's a really, really good point to be reminding yourself. Um, and I like the way that your journal forces you to do it right after the date. Because if you wait three weeks. And then look back, you're going to forget this information. So how soon after the date do you go to this journal and do this writing or to this workbook? I recommend within 24 hours. But if you could do it right when you get home, that's best. Yeah, no, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. It's funny. I'm, this is a little aside, and I'm going to edit this out. One of the things I was going to respond to when you were talking about the person at your door, there's definitely, if you're feeling unsafe, that's a huge fucking red flag no matter what. But I, what came up for me, because I do a lot of coaching with women, and sometimes I meet women that they want more, that they're very sexual, and they really want to connect that way. And it's just a matter of wanting to connect that way. And then there are other people that know I want this boundary, whatever. So I, I hesitate to make someone wrong who's just a sexual person, because there are a lot of sexual people. And if they met someone equally as sexual, in fact, I'm more like that. If I meet someone and I think we have mutual connection, I want to go try that on for a minute because if the chemistry is not going to be there, I'm not going to want to date them. Whereas I know some people find that very, uh, a, a huge offense, a huge cro crossing of their boundaries, where in some ways I find it an offense as a sexually free person. If you're going to go shame me and make me wrong for wanting to just express myself physically in my body the way that I normally would and try connecting with someone the way that I normally would just because of something that happened in that person's past, that doesn't mean that I'm a predator or a bad person. Oh, exactly. Whereas there are predators and bad people. There are plenty sure. of predators and bad people. I think we should leave this in, honestly. I think it's really valuable because for me, it's not that I would feel that that person was bad or shameful in any way for wanting to have a sexual experience. It's just because of my unique background, I've had a lot of bad sexual experiences with men where I kind of like betrayed myself. And I hate to say it because it's, it's probably going to be like triggering for some people, but I almost feel like I let men rape me for a lot of my life because I didn't really want to be with them, but I thought that I needed that connection. I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. So when it comes to being sexual, I get really triggered. Luckily with women, I feel better and I don't feel the same type of trigger. But when it comes on too soon and I haven't emotionally decided that I feel safe to open that part up with of myself with them, I do get, I do start to feel very, very unsafe and triggered. So it's, it's not that I wouldn't like write that person that made me feel unsafe, I guess what I could probably do to revise that story is that I wouldn't completely write them off. What I was doing wrong there was not only not taking the time to see the truth in that situation, but I wasn't talking about it. I probably, the old Lauren, wouldn't have had a conversation with that woman and said, hey, I, got, I get really triggered when things sexually move fast before I'm emotionally safe. And then that person could have been like, oh, no problem. I really enjoy being with you. Otherwise... I just love sex. You let me know, you know, like, what can I do to help? I'm sure that person, if they're a partner that's good for me, would be open to hearing my opinions and would want to have a conversation about it. Um, but I probably would have never figured that out. I would have continued in that relationship without communicating, wouldn't have set boundaries and would have kept getting triggered. And that's what maybe have would have turned into something toxic. But now in my present day, 
with my skills from, from learning to reflect on these things, I would feel more comfortable to communicate what was going on in my mind. Strangely enough, I still do consider myself to be a sex positive, pleasure positive person when I feel emotionally safe. And I would never want to shame people for embracing that part of themselves because it took me a really long time to find that because it meant I would have to admit that I wanted to be with women. So I wouldn't want anybody to push anything down. Like whatever lights you up, great. Go for what you want. Go for what turns you on. But in my case, I just... I'm just a weird bird, or maybe I'm not so weird. I just need to feel emotionally safe before I can let my freak flag fly. You're really not weird. There's, I would say, a huge portion of the community that's the same as you, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. And I I think it's a huge issue for our community because so many of us come out late in life. So many of us had to, didn't know at all that we were queer. So we had sexual experiences with guys that didn't feel for, well, some people, the sex could still feel good with guys, but for a lot of us, for me especially, didn't feel good at all. So if then that turns into sex being triggering, uncomfortable, unsafe, that makes perfect sense. And then yet there's this whole other portion of the community that, that, can be sexually free right up front. And when connecting with someone new, that's a very important part of the equation in the relationship. And it's a very exciting, fun, and and there's there's nothing wrong with going there on a first date. I think it's something that our community has to navigate a lot, especially, especially in our community, because women are so much more likely to have been sexually assaulted in their past. And and even when it's not sexual assault, we're dealing with the first part of our life for a lot of us where we were trying to make things work with the with the opposite sex, which was a different kind of, uh, you know, it's not an assault, but it's it's very uncomfortable. So especially for our community, there's, uh, I think, a lot of hang ups around sex that a lot of people have and then trying to make things work with people who may not feel that way. And then what's the right balance where to some extent for someone who wants to connect right away, the person that they're on a date with walking away and saying, I don't want to connect with you that way, that could feel unsafe. I mean, for me, someone not wanting me sexually might make me feel as though, oh, this is a person that that maybe isn't going to want to share that with me. And that's a red flag for me. So and and it doesn't mean that someone who needs to feel safe before they're having sex is then going to not want to have sex later. There's that doesn't equate. But I think it's a very interesting road for our community that we have to navigate. It's, it's a bumpy road for a lot of, 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 of people in dating lives, I think. Yeah, for sure. But it seems like, at least for me, and it sounds like for you as well, is really just showing up authentic, communicating what your expectations are. And if you do feel triggered to just talk about it to the other person, because if you don't talk about it, you might end up accidentally shaming them, which I would never want to do. I wouldn't want someone to think that they're they're too sexy or that they're not sexy enough. It's just like I need time or whatever the reason is to just let them in on how you're feeling is going to be the kindest for both people because you you I wouldn't want to walk away from someone too soon, you know, and I would love to have someone that's got a high sex drive, but I just have to make sure that I'm ready to engage it. Yeah. No, this is I think a really important conversation. And the lucky thing about our community is that we are both women and that communication is a strong point. And so, yeah, the more we could just talk about where we're at and what we're going to want. Probably if, if someone is a very sexual person, they just need time saying that, hey, I assure you, 
sex is a really big deal to me and a really a, something I'm going to want a lot of in my life. I just need to wait. That's a, it's a way different thing from people that are just more on the asexual part of the spectrum, mm-hmm. um, which there's nothing wrong with that either, but it's probably going to make a highly sexual person very unhappy if uh, in a relationship with them. So, Yeah, I have this metaphor once I... It was actually the same girl that dumped me at the beginning of COVID that made me write this entire book. Was looking back on it, I had a lot of shame, thinking like, oh, I wasn't good enough. I didn't, you know, they didn't want me. And I ended up coming up with this really bad metaphor. I like it though, is that we're not always going to be everyone else's slice of pizza. She was a pepperoni pie. And I was forcing myself to not only be pepperoni, but to like pepperoni. And I personally, I don't think pepperoni is delicious. I prefer mushroom. So why was I trying to force myself to be something that I'm not? There's a whole world full of mushroom pieces out there. I have my pick of the lot, really. Um, So that's when it helped me to feel like to let go of the judgments that I was putting on myself and saying that there's no right or wrong. There's no bad or good here. We're all just different types of pizza, and you just got to go find the one that feels, feels the most delicious in your mouth. <laughs> I use a similar metaphor, but I always talk about ice cream. Oh, Cookie, Cookies and cream is my favorite flavor. But it, and if I meet someone that's, that's strawberry or mint chip, there's nothing wrong with strawberry mint chip. That's mm-hmm. a lot of people's favorite flavor. It's just, it's, you know, I, I'm a cookies and cream kind of girl. Exactly. Yeah. But what I really wanted to say is when you're discussing pepperoni pizza and you're trying to force yourself to eat, to, to be into the pepperoni pizza, I think the reason that that happens so much in our community is because of the scarcity mentality and the fear that if you don't grab this pizza, it doesn't matter the flavor of this pizza. If you don't grab this pizza, there's no more pizza for you. Mm-hmm. And that's toxic. The truth is, the truth is that fear of not finding anyone else and the fear of not finding love should not be the basis. Um, You know, you were talking about, you know, do I want to see this person again? And why that that being their last question? A lot of times the reason is because you are lonely and because you don't know there's nobody else. And that is not really a good why. Yeah, we none of us needs to settle for pepperoni if we're a mushroom. And you just never know when your partner is going to come into your life. But if you settle soon, for someone that isn't your your piece of pizza, you're blocking yourself off from having that magical surprise that's one day going to come to you. You're just kind of like, oh, I'll choose this. Well, then the universe isn't going to send you other options because it thinks that you don't want any. <laughs> yeah, you're not single at that point. So you're never going to find somebody better. And probably every day you're going to resent their pepperoni. When their pepperoni is magical and beautiful, I'm a vegetarian, but still, um, you know, their pepperoni is, you know, someone else would think it's the greatest treasure that that's ever that's ever been. And yeah. they deserve to to be treasured in that way. Everyone deserves to be treasured in that way. Exactly. And so it's a huge red flag if there's if you're being with someone that you're not that into is a huge red flag because over time we, you're they're just going to resent it. Yeah, it's just I think the struggle here is it's so hard to be true to what you want because I didn't know what I wanted. I was just trying so hard to be something that other people would want because that's what I thought love was. Right, it's getting chosen. It's about getting chosen. How do I make someone choose me? But then we're distorting ourselves in in our being and trying to be something we're not just to get chosen as opposed to being exactly who we are and just putting ourselves out there to connect with the exact right person. 
that means having to tolerate loneliness between dates, right? Because we're talking about this journal you use after a date, a lot of the lesbian struggle or the queer female struggle, if you ask me, or the queer women struggle, is that sometimes there are no dates mm. for long stretches of time. Well, I think that this sounds cheesy and I'm sure a lot of people have heard it before, but if you want a healthy relationship, you have to heal the relationship you have with yourself. So a lot of those questions like learning to love yourself, learning to investigate your insecurities, busting through limiting beliefs, these are ongoing tasks that you can work on while you're in between dates. What can you do if you're not on a date and you want to work on your relationship with yourself? What are some tools women in that position can use right now? Sure. So mindfulness I'll take a moment just to explain a little bit more what this means, because I think people use it in common language, like, oh, be mindful of oncoming traffic. Sure, that's that's one way that you can use it. But when I use the word, I mean a type of awareness of your life and anything that's happening outside of you or inside of you without judgment. That's the key here. It's coming from a place of acceptance without trying to change things or criticize things. When you can apply that space of non-judgmental awareness to your daily life in as many moments throughout your day as possible, that awareness is what's going to allow you to start noticing when limiting beliefs are popping up in your head. It's going to allow you to notice when emotions are coming up and what that emotion might be trying to tell you. Building skills so that way when you do go out on the next date, you'll be able to see those thoughts and emotions come up faster. Yeah, and when you say something like no judgment and acceptance without criticism, what comes to mind for me, and correct me if I'm wrong because you might be pointing to something different, what my interpretation of that would be is like I'm going throughout my day and I'm feeling really, really lonely. And just saying to myself, it's okay that I feel lonely right now. Loneliness is a part of life. This is, this is okay. I accept this loneliness for what it is, right? We were talking about habits earlier, and essentially when we show up on a date or at any moment of our life, there is some default reaction that is there that we've been doing for many years, if not our entire lives. So what mindfulness does is when you can bring that awareness to just notice things, that gives you a brief moment of time where you can say, wait, before you engage the default. It gives you a time that says, maybe I don't want to choose the default. Maybe I don't want to keep doing what I've always done. Maybe there's another option. It might take you a little while of noticing when that, let's say a thought comes up of, oh, I'm not, I'm feeling lonely. When you notice that, I love that your choice, your new default was to say, it's okay. A lot of other people get lonely. No, no big deal. I'm going to get through this. That was positive self-talk. That's a different default choice that you just made. The normal or, you know, the old Jordana might've been like, I'm feeling lonely. Okay. I got to do what I've always done. I got to call someone. I got to, you know you would have done, taken some action that maybe wasn't really helping you. It was just some coping mechanism that got you through at the time. But at some point you realize, why am I doing that? Do I really still need to cope with loneliness this way or is there an alternative? And you can apply that same pause technique to anything that's coming up for you regularly. When you can stop and look at it from a, a higher perspective, this place of non-judgment, where you can say, okay, what's going on here? What do I normally choose and what do I really want? You take yourself out of that. It's almost like a fight or flight reaction. 
when things happen that are uncomfortable, we don't have time to think because we think it's life or death. We just got to act. So we act with a thing that we've always done. But mindfulness gives us the peace in that place to get us out of fight or flight where we can actually remove any cloud in our vision and say, okay, I actually have a lot of other choices. I don't have to keep doing what I've always done. Reaction is the right word because we can be going through our day and suddenly have that feeling, whether it's loneliness or insecurity or whatever. And as you said, it might be, we then just react. We pick up the phone, we make, we, we go somewhere, we do something, we buy something, whatever it might be, we, we, whatever it might be that we do in reaction to that feeling. But if instead we say, oh, and then there's this noticing, oh, I'm having this feeling. Okay. <laughs> then, then we can choose what to do as a, in, a, in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. So what are some other practices that you can recommend to help women on this journey? Sure. The one that's been really healing for me is to practice loving kindness. And what I mean by that is it's a little bit more than just self-love. The like this comes from a Buddhist tradition of loving kindness where you sit in meditation and you send love to yourself, to your loved ones, to people you don't even know and to your enemies. And this is so healing because When it comes to dating, we need to be able to show up in that loving kindness place to to give ourselves as much loving compassion as we give to the people that are seated across the table from us. And when we can be in that space of loving self-kindness and and compassion for other people, we're going to feel safer to be ourselves. We're not going to be judging. Hopefully, it's impossible not to judge. It's just a human thing. But it'll, it'll allow us to try to replace the, the urge to judge with sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And all in all, it's just going to lead you to have a more enjoyable dating experience and just give back a little bit of warmth to that, to your, date, to your dates, to the people that you're going out with and seeing the beauty in them. Yeah, it's a great practice, loving kindness. And I think even though the idea is that we're wishing comfort and ease and love to other people it helps us be kinder to ourselves because sometimes it's easier to wish a str- to wish well on a stranger than it is to ourselves mm-hmm. i'm actually proud to say i had one of the mothers one of the founding mothers of or the one of the founding people who brought loving kindness to the west on my podcast sharon salzberg oh my god i love her yeah she's epic and she was on a prior episode of this very podcast so there you have it if, if anyone's listening and wants to know more from one of the ogs herself That's a prior episode with Sharon Salzberg. And another very uh, similar practice that has helped me a lot in in a similar vein is another Buddhist practice called Tonglen. Um, Do you know of this one? No. There's this author called Pema Chodron who I got it from in this book called When Things Fall Apart. And what she talks about is, so let's just say that a feeling of loneliness comes up. Usually our reaction might be, we don't want to feel that, right? We resist. Ah, I don't like to feel insecure. Ah, I don't want to feel lonely, right? That feeling comes and you kind of, there's almost a tightening around it and a resistance to it. Oh, like like, I don't want that. But the idea in spirituality is that whatever we resist persists. So if we refuse to, it's the, what are we refusing to feel? Now the idea is the opposite of that is this practice called tonglen. So T-O-N-G-L-E-N, I think is how it's spelled. And I'm no expert in it, and I haven't read this book in a very, very long time, so I'm probably going to butcher it to some extent. But my, my understanding of it is that when that feeling comes up, instead of resisting it, you say, you know what? 
not only is it okay that I'm feeling this, but I want nobody else to feel this. Like I don't want my mother who I love to ever have to feel this. So I'm going to feel it just even more so that my mother never has to have this experience. And you know what? I don't want my aunt who I love to have to feel. So I'm going to, and, and you know what? My old neighbor, I know she's having a hard time. I'm going to feel it for her too. So instead of resisting the feeling, you sort of just breathe into it and you take it in even more. And it's a way to give loving kindness to the people that you love and but also at the same time be brave in the face of very uncomfortable emotions by doing kind of pretending as if you're taking it in so that nobody else has to and I probably got that very wrong but that's kind of been my takeaway and something that I try and do when bad feelings come just try and feel it fully and uh, think about maybe removing it from from people I love. That's so beautiful because I think a lot of times when I don't want to feel something uncomfortable. It's like I get, I feel like I'm just stuck in an ego shell. Like my little world is only within a three foot bubble of me. But that practice allows you to say, yeah, I'm feeling this way, but I, I still can connect with people. And you can still be aware that there's, that you are part of something larger. Yeah. And it's practicing being brave in the face of uncomfortable emotions instead of resisting them. Do you have any other practices that you love that you'd want to share about or any other tips that have helped you in life or things you wish every woman knew? I would say this has been one of the skills that's taken me a long time to master, but to redefine what it means to let go. Whenever I would feel like I, I had a ruminating thought on loop or if I was really trapped in some some feelings or emotions that were unpleasant. I would spend a lot of time using all my skills, like doing the therapy work, doing inner child work, doing meditations and like trying to like get through it. I would be so hyper-focused on healing that it would persist, right? Cause I'm, I'm not actually letting it flow. I'm almost resisting letting it flow because I'm holding on to it with my attention. So the thing that I would recommend is that if you feel like you've done a lot of work, and you feel like this is becoming something that is taking up too much of your energy or is not really helping you um, feel peace in your life, it's okay to let it go. And letting go doesn't mean ignoring. It doesn't mean repressing. It, it's another form of acceptance. You're just saying, hey, I gave it my best bet to, to try to heal this, but it, I'm not feeling peaceful. So I'm going to let these things be with me. I'm just going to carry them with me throughout my day, but I'm going to give them less of my attention. I'm just going to let them be. I'm just going to allow myself to continue pursuing joy while these things exist in me. Healing doesn't mean pushing them away or getting rid of. Healing means letting them be with you. Yeah, and I guess finding a way to have peace and joy even in the face of that but mm -hmm. how though? Is there another layer of how on top of that or is it a... Sometimes it can be really difficult. So the, the way that I actually learned how to do this was because I got ghosted. I went out on a date with this girl and I was like, oh my God, this was great. I had an amazing time. And then it just flopped within a matter of days. And I went into a shame spiral. Like, oh, what did I do wrong? You know, maybe I did talk too much, whatever. And I started to say, Lauren, this shame spiral happens a lot. Let's heal it for good this time. So I did all the things, journaled all the time, did all too many things. And it got to the point where I looked back at myself. It was a Friday night. And I was like, this has been a really rough week of me trying to do all this healing work. I don't want to feel this way this weekend. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it be. 
And what I did instead, because it's hard, because I was really just mulling in depression all week. I had some pretty low energy vibes happening. It's really hard to just jump out of that and say, oh, I decide I'm fine now. What I had to do was reconnect with the things that bring me joy. So I made a list of things that really do naturally light me up. I love writing just for fun. I love going on long walks to a good podcast and just giving myself permission to do something that is going to feel peaceful instead of feeling like what I should be doing is solving my shame spiral. (laughs) No, I took that shame with me on the walk and I probably wrote about shame, but I did it in a way that was joyful and that felt like I was actually being able to express something instead of trying to, to organize these feelings that were really not bringing me any peace. I can relate to that, right? I, I've written so many lists. I remember times when I've been heartbroken and I've written lists like puppies, hot showers, sunshine, <laughs> beaches, you know, and like writing lists of things that could cheer me up. But what's so interesting about that shame spiral you speak of, the truth is all that really happened is that you met someone that likes pepperoni and your mushroom and that's it. Exactly. And so there's nothing, there's no shame in being mushroom. Mm-hmm. And that person didn't do anything wrong by preferring pepperoni either. It's just a mismatch. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's unfortunate because that person like might have seemed like a mushroom, you know, and, and it's unfortunate and it's disappointing. But a lot of the times the things that we feel shame for, we're judging ourselves worse than other people. Yeah, for all I know, it could have been something silly like because uh, she lives in Philly and I live outside of Philly. And maybe that wasn't something that she wanted. She, she didn't want the commute. You know, it could be something that had nothing to do with me or my worth or my value. In fact, it probably wasn't. Most of the time it has to do with some coworker she has a crush on or some oh, ex that yeah. she's back together with or some other person she's hung up on or other things in their life. I mean, most, of the, most rejections have nothing. To, it's not even a rejection. It's absolutely nothing to do with us. It has to do with some other person that they're far more hung up on that really is holding their heartstrings in the moment. That's true. Or the fact that you're just way too femme for them or way too, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, which there's nothing wrong with being anywhere on the butch femme spectrum because everyone, there's, there's, there are people who prefer that. It's just if that person prefers something else, they have every right to. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, everyone, there's someone for everyone. I really do believe that. Yeah, and I'm grateful that it didn't work out with her because only a few months later I met my current partner. Yeah, who you never would have been able to find if you were cooped up with a secret pepperoni over there. Exactly. <laughs> so why don't you tell us more about where women, uh, where women can find you, what you offer, all the different websites and socials you have where people can, can go to learn more. Sure. I love connecting with new friends on Instagram. You can find me at Metadate, M-E-T-T-A. My website is laurensmithstudio.com. And you can find my book on Amazon, or you can download the free mobile app version of it on Apple or Play Stores called the Metadate Journal. That's so great. This is, is there any other thing that I should have asked you or that you want to share before we go? Any parting thoughts? No, it's been, I feel peaceful. I feel aligned and just honored to be able to help people and hopefully lead them to more self-love and, and happiness. Well, I think you've done amazing work. I love what you put together. I love what you shared here. And it's just so great meeting other women in our community that are, that are doing this great work. So I'm so glad that we connected. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Thank you so much for your contribution to my podcast. 
And uh, it was so lovely speaking to you, Lauren. It was. You've really been an inspiration to me to help me to show up more authentically. And I love how you create space at the beginning of the podcast to really get the guests and, and yourself into a good space. And I'm probably going to recreate that. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's something the audience, it's kind of behind the scenes, but I appreciate that. Um, this has been really fun. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, don't forget that womenwantingwomen.com is packed with free resources that can help you build your confidence and have more success with dating. While you're there, you can book a one-on-one coaching session with me to get my personal support in finding the love you long for. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. And I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.